Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. We've been covering Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. That's what this series has been all about. So, so many profound teachings in just three chapters. I mean, just profound stuff that's, that's affected the world since Jesus spoke them. And if you haven't just read through these chapters in one sitting, I really want to encourage you to do that. It's three chapters. It's pretty easy to do in one sitting. But there's something about how we've dived into it as a church. We've studied it. We've looked at it. We've meditated on it. We've talked about it maybe between, uh, between Sundays or between uh, life group meetings. And, and, you know, it just gets down deep when you take the time to really dissect it and look at it for what it is. But when you read it all together after doing that, it just comes alive. And I love that about the Word of God. It's so life-giving. It's life-giving. So I, I, again, encourage you to read through just in one sitting all those chapters. And, um, you know, the, uh, between our Sunday morning messages and life group teachings, which are all up on YouTube, by the way, we have virtually covered every subject that Jesus touched on in the Sermon on the Mount, which was his first public teaching, as you well know. Here's what we've covered in the last few weeks, just the last few weeks. And these are the subjects that Jesus hit just in chapter 7 thus far. I'm not not going to talk about chapter 5. I'm not going to give a review on chapter 5 or chapter 6, just in 7. And it kind of helps set the context for what I'm going to set, say, uh, uh, today and where we're going to go today. But um, he talked about judging others and really how we must how it must be done. Judging others must be done with the right heart. Then he went into how prayers are effective when we continue in our asking, seeking, and knocking. Then, of course, Jesus gave us the golden rule. Do unto others what you would have them do to you. Treat people the way you yourself would want to be treated. Then he taught on the narrow gate and how few find it. And, of course, Larry Perry did a great job on presenting that to us in his Life Group video. How many just loved seeing that last week? It was awesome. It was great. Good job, Larry. And, and so we come to today's teaching, which is back to the idea of Jesus wanting us to make good judgments. And I'm not going to get into, hey, don't judge. That's what he said, don't judge. I'm not going to get into that. If you want to know how I feel about that, go back to the message on YouTube and watch it. Because I think you might have a different feel of it after you listen to that message. But Jesus, in this next verse, again, wants us to make good judgments. And he gives us a surefire way to determine if someone is the real deal or not. He says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 through 20, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify people by their actions. So we see this pretty clearly. We will know the tree by its fruits. Good tree, good fruit. Bad tree, bad, all right? It seems simple enough. And of course, this is, the, is first pointed at Christian leaders that we may choose to listen to, learn from, sit under, and allow to lead us. 
We have to be aware, Jesus says, be aware of sitting under ministries or, or being a part of churches or following leaders that lack good spiritual fruit. And sometimes it's hard to know for sure. They may look like they're good-hearted, harmless sheep, but inside they could be ravenous wolves because of the spirit that's at work within them. How can we know? And, and I, let me just say this. The closer we get to the end of this age, this church age before Jesus comes back, the more false teachers are gonna appear. We're gonna see more and more false teachers appear, and the more difficult it's gonna to be to know if they're legit or not. I think about the internet and all the things that are available to us, all the teachings. Never before in Christendom has there been so many books and teachings, videos, we have access to more things than we've ever had in the history of the church. Is it all good? Is it all truth? If they say they're teaching from the Bible, does that mean they really are? See, again, as we get closer to the end of this age, the more and more we're gonna see false teachers appear. And we have to beware, Jesus says. He says, beware of them, false prophets, false teachers who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. So we're gonna plow into this a little bit more today. Matthew 24, 24, Jesus says this, and just a few chapters later, he says, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. So here again, you see, as the, we, we go closer to the end, you're gonna see these false teachers arise, these false Christs, these false prophets, and they're gonna perform these even signs and what look like wonders and miracles, and they're not gonna be legit. How do we know? Jesus warned us that people, these people would do amazing things in his name, and there are those within the body of Christ, even strong believers in Jesus, strong followers of Jesus, that will see these signs and wonders and they will deem those that do them as good trees and good fruit, but there is more to fruit than just signs and wonders. Here are a few fruits of false teachers that the Fire Bible, if you have a Fire Bible, lists out right in the study notes, and I thought they were great, so I wanna share them with you today. They tend to worship false teachers, false preachers, those that would be harmless in, the, in their appearance but be really vicious wolves, they tend to worship creation or the created and not the creator. And that can be a hard thing to look at. I mean, I could give you examples of this. Um, maybe their loyalties lie uh, more with personalities than with God's word. They're into personalities, as in, well, this teacher and this teacher. If you hear somebody constantly quoting a teacher, a teacher, this, a, a, a person, rather than the word of God, that might cause you to take maybe just a little bit of a, a listen to make sure what they're saying is right. They tend to worship creation. And what I'm talking about in, in, in listening to certain people and, 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 and really, really quoting them all the time instead of the word of God, I'm talking about taking man and putting them on a pedestal. When you see false teachers, when you see teachers putting people on pedestals constantly, that's something to maybe, hmm, why not glorify God instead? Another example, 
that I could think of was just worshiping worship. I mean, in the church today, I love worship. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm, I'm a worshiper at heart, but the church can't start worshiping worship. You understand what I'm talking about? That's worshiping the created instead of the creator. When your worship becomes about the experience of the lights and the band and the song and the music, and, and it's not about God himself and your heart opening to him, that's something to be careful of. And if you see leaders doing this, take note. So they tend to worship creation or the created and not the creator. They also strive to achieve their own agendas over God's will. That's what false teach, that's fruit of a false teacher. They'll strive to achieve their own agendas over God's will. Self-centered and always looking to glorify self and honor themselves. And again, not honoring God. Another uh, characteristic or a fruit of a false teacher, human teachings that they'll, they'll teach things that tickle the ears. And those teachings trump sound doctrine laid out in the word of God. It's easier to say things that people want to hear than to say things they don't want to hear. Trust me. Trust me on this one. My wife and I have this conversation just about every Saturday night because I start feeling weird about having to say things I don't want to say because they're hard to say. It would be really easy just as a false teacher to get up and say things that you like to hear. Do you know what happens when you say things that nobody wants to hear? You don't make very many friends. That doesn't mean I can go around and knock people in the head and, and claim, well, it's not false teaching. It's, I'm not saying that. But guys, false teachers will just really enjoy tickling the ears. Another fruit of a false teacher, they will be seekers and promoters of spiritual experience and supernatural manifestations. Not that those things are wrong, have you? I mean, I'm, I'm not saying those are bad things. We want manifestations of his spirit, right? We want the move of the Holy Spirit. We want to experience God when we come into this place. But when they take those things and they consider them as the final validation of their actions, it's something to be careful of. Because spiritual signs and wonders don't validate a ministry, the word of God does. That's the final say. That's the only thing that will not return void. Hear what I'm saying today? Those things are wonderful, I'm not saying they're bad. But if that's all it is, it ain't enough. Five, they will, they will always broaden the road that leads to salvation. Listen to their words carefully. A false teacher will broaden the road that leads to salvation. An example of this, God's love is so great and his forgiveness so unending, and I've heard this teaching before. I've heard it even recently. His, his, his forgiveness and love are so great that, that, that Satan himself will be saved in the end. I've heard it. False teachers. Another example, God's grace is so deep and so wide, and it is. But I've heard it spoke even recently that we don't even need to repent anymore because God forgives us before we even sin. That's how great his grace is. Nobody cut that section out of my preaching and say that I said that either. That's false teaching, right? That's false teaching. You have to be careful. And I've heard things said like this from really great popular preachers 
that I respect. You see, the spirits that were at work in the false prophets of Jesus' day are the same spirits at work in false teachers today. They are not easily recognized either. And understand this, it's because Satan is a master of deceit. His native tongue is lying, he's the father of all lies and is the master manipulator. He's not going to just come at you in a frontal attack and announce that he's trying to deceive you. Okay, here I am with some false teaching, let's see if you can believe it. He doesn't do that, he's trickier than that, he's smarter than that. And I'm not trying to give him a bunch of credit, but I think a lot of Christians think, well, I could never be deceived because I, I know what the word of God says. Let me tell you something. If you're not in it every single day, if you're not meditating on it, if you're not spending time in prayer, spending time in his word, spending time in his presence, spending time with good Christian people that are good trees with good fruit, you could be slowly manipulated, catfished, if you will, away from the truth. Hear that term catfished. I love fishing for catfish. But Satan tries to catfish us a little bit, a lot. Does it over time, does it slowly. Little lies, little lies, little lies until you bite. Create, create a little issue over here so maybe your mind sits here so then he can give you this lie here and you might just bite on it. We think it's going to be so easy to recognize false teachers, and it just is not. It's not going to be. They look and seem so gentle and harmless, but they are ferocious wolves in sheep's clothing. This is why we must be ready to fruit check. Turn to your neighbor and say, fruit check. <laughs> fruit check. <laughs> Whenever we are checked by the Holy Spirit about teaching or a teacher if the tree is good, there will be good fruit. We got a fruit check. We got to look at the tree. Is there some good fruit there? In fact, Jesus even says that a good tree will not have bad fruit on it. That is just really harsh. So you, you might be sitting there going, well, let's, let's do this. Let's fruit check Pastor Barry. Is there any bad fruit on his tree? And this is where it becomes very convicting, right? Good tree or bad tree? Jesus said good trees that are authentically good will not have bad fruit. Does that mean I never sin? No. You see, this is where it gets dicey. This is where it gets hard. This is where it gets difficult. And you have to be full of the Spirit. Why do you think he gave us the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost? Why do you think he wants to fill us and to a point where we're not just filled once, but we're being filled all the time daily? Because we absolutely need it. It is essential for us to walk out this Christian life. It can't be done lackadaisical or you can't just live the Christian life kicking a walnut down the street. I mean, you have got to be in the Spirit if you're going to make it. The devil is like a roaring lion. He seeks and he looks and he's trying to find somebody that he can devour. Somebody who's just weak enough in a moment, and he devours them. So he went, that was my line. It sounded like the cowardly line, didn't it? Somebody pulled my tail. You know? I don't know why I did that. <laughs> Couldn't help myself. We have to be ready to fruit check. 
Whenever we're checked by the Holy Spirit, uh, is that right? Mm, is that? I pray you take my words home with you. You take notes and you take them back to the word of God during the week. And if I'm wrong, throw them out. I'm not outside of being able to be fruit checked. I understand the kind of pressure that is too. Now I'm gonna get phone calls galore. Remember when you did that cowardly line thing? Where, where is the at in scripture, they'll say. <laughs> I know what it says in Ephesians 6.12. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers and darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, wickedness in heavenly places. We are to check the fruit, but always be aware it's the principle I'm sorry, it's the principalities and, and rulers of darkness that we fight against. If you encounter a false teacher or spiritual leader, pray for them. Confront them as if, if, if it's your place to do so. And keep praying for them, but do not allow them to influence you. And, and here's the deal. God's going to pronounce their final judgment, right? I, I don't want to turn Christians into fruit inspectors. Wrong, 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 wrong. We're supposed to be checkers. That's where the balance is. Verse 19 of what Jesus said, so every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. I think that's judgment. I believe that to be judgment by God, not by man. Leave that up to God. Personally, this is why I don't put much stock in those that are quick to bash ministries and throw them under the bus. God will take care of that. My job is to fruit check, encourage others to fruit check, and if the fruits are not there, get out from underneath the influence of them. And even though these words of Jesus are in reference to spiritual leaders and those who teach and preach, verse 20 takes it to a different level. It makes it pretty clear that this fruit-checking principle, it's really aimed at all of us. And let me show you what I mean. Verse 20 says, Just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. The wording changes from being pointed at leaders to being pointed at all of us. And the principle is the same. Bad trees don't produce good fruit, and good trees don't produce bad fruit. When a tree is nourished properly, when it has access to good soil that's full of nutrients, when it has a healthy supply of water, when it has access to the sun, a tree like that will grow tall and it will grow strong. Its roots will go down deep and, and those storms will come and go, it continues to stand in the midst of the winds. Trees like that even endure drought conditions longer than other trees. They even seem to be impervious to pests that try to burrow into them and compromise their armor or their bark. And uh, some of you know that I, I do on the side some tree stump grinding and I do a little bit of tree work. I don't cut down trees. I leave that to the, the, the big boys. But as I'm, as I'm grinding stumps a lot of times, you can see it, what went on in that tree. I... I I had to cut one down because it was just in the way. It wasn't really 
a bad tree. It was in my backyard. And I, I cut it down, and then I, I noticed that um, there was a little bit of, of rot in the tree itself, but down by the ground when I was grinding it, I noticed that it seemed so healthy and it seemed so good. But as I was grinding it, I hit a vein in the tree. It never happened before, and water started shooting up out of the, out of the trunk. I thought, man, that tree has roots that go way down, because that was in the middle of when we didn't have water for a long time. I'm like, wow. Shouldn't have cut that one down, right? The top was going, but it, it, but it had good roots. It's interesting, too. Sometimes you'll cut them off, and you'll see it, the, the rot in the core of it. I was over, I think, at Dylan Rankin's the other day, and there was one, and I thought it was going to take an hour or so. It ended up taking two minutes, literally two minutes. It was rotten, but it had rotted from the inside out. Why do I say that? Because it couldn't produce, I mean, it wasn't producing fruit. That's why he cut it down, but that stump was so rotten from the core. And I think those have spiritual implications when you start putting those things together. Jesus was, was uh, he was using these good trees as comparisons with people. Good people, the kind of people you should be around and look to build friendships with, they will produce good fruit in their lives. And those that teach and preach and minister to you, if they're worth listening to, they'll have good fruit in their lives as well. They'll have fruit that's undeniable. Of course, the opposite is also true. Those who you don't need to be in close relationship with are those that are bad trees. And those who preach or teach uh, or, or prophesy or any of those things, if, they're, if they are not all that they claim to be, you will know because they won't have the fruit to back up their claims. This is, again, a very tough scripture when you get into this and you start meditating and thinking about it. It's tough for us to hear because it involves judging again. I mean, it involves checking the fruit in other people's lives, and that seems really wrong on some level, but it's our protection. We have to do that. And, and let me, you know, we, we, we've, we've weakened this whole idea in the church so much. And, and I don't know where, where, where it started or I don't know how it started, but it just has gotten to be a thing where we can't even point out something in each other's lives without really offending people. And so we, we don't. I'm not saying beat people over the head and tell them off and, and judge them with an evil heart and become judgmental. I'm saying we have to do some fruit checking. Well, I don't believe in that. Okay, so what if you know that there is an individual who is a, um, a pedophile and they've been charged more than once, multiple times, for pedophilia. They've been in jail for it, and now they're not. And... Um, you, put a, you needed a babysitter real bad for your kids, and, and you put it out there on the mom's page or something, and this person called, would you say yes? Would you? Judge. Quit judging. You see what I mean? We have to, right? It's protection. And that's kind of... What this is, it's protection. It doesn't mean that you're, thro you're, you're throwing people under the bus and telling them they're, they're hell-bound. It's, it's not that you're judging their salvation uh, in, in that moment. I mean, maybe you you're, have an inkling of it, you know? But, but if there's no good fruit, do I need to be around that person? 
If, if I'm not, if, if they don't have the fruit that I want to display in my life, is it really good for me to, to get very close with that person and, and hang out with them all the time when they're pushing me down? When you allow others to minister to you or get close to you to a level where they're, they're influencing you, you'd better be willing to do a fruit check and see if they have anything that you really need. I mean, that sounds harsh, doesn't it? But do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying shun every person who doesn't have good fruit in their life. We're also called to ministers, though, minister to those who, who, who need Christ. Be a witness to them and even be encouragers to those brothers and sisters in Christ who haven't had the opportunities to mature like you have. But don't get to the place where you're being influenced by people that have no fruit. Influenced in a bad way. You've probably heard the saying, you are either a missionary or a mission field. And this is true, but if you are so impressionable and so easily influenced by those that haven't earned the place of mentor or missionary in your life, those that haven't got the fruit to prove their ability to speak solid truth into you, then you need to back away from those relationships until you're strong enough to minister to them. Or in some cases, completely remove yourself from those relationships. And this is hard because we're supposed to, we're supposed to check the fruit on the tree. That, that's the litmus test. It's how we know if this relationship is good. At first, pointed at the leaders, no doubt. The higher you, you go in leadership, in, in Christianity, I mean, the, the more scrutinizing it's going to get. That goes with the territory. That, that's the way it is. But we got to check the fruit on the tree of all of our relationships. That's the litmus test that Jesus gives us. That's how we know. But if we become judgmental again in our judgments of the fruit on the tree, we go from fruit checkers to fruit inspectors. You see where all this gets very hard? It's balance. It's all about balance. Loving people, loving people, even if they're not displaying good fruit. You love them, but you're not going to get influenced by them. Jesus said, beware of them. Beware of false teachers. And then he said, all people, really. We have to be willing to have those healthy boundaries with individuals who don't have the fruit to show that they are a good tree, especially when those personalities are such that they can suck us into the same issues or pull us down, spiritually speaking. Have you ever had someone in your life since you've been a Christian who you just loved their personality? I mean, they're dynamic. You loved hanging around them. They were awesome, but they weren't I don't know how to put this. As far along as you were in your faith. But because of that relationship, they just pulled you back. You love them. So you have two choices. You can cut that off and say, no more, I'm done with you, which in most cases, that's not what we should do. Sometimes you have to. But you got to be willing to set the boundaries and say, you know what, I love you, I want to hang out with you, I want to be around you sometimes, but I'm not going to let you influence me. You know what happens in a lot of those cases when you do that? The relationship goes away, because if they're truly a bad tree, let's say, and maybe they're not, but if they are, they won't want to be around you because they have no influence over you. I think this scripture is very interesting, because it really, when you get it right down to its core, it's... Take care of yourself. Do what's right. 
Don't live according to what everybody else thinks and wants you to do. Know your God and live for him. I mean, balance is key. And church, I'm here to tell you that uh, just because someone attends church doesn't automatically make them a tree that bears good fruit. I've seen relationships in churches start because of church events and then cause horrible issues later because they weren't good trees. I think the context is so interesting here too. Look at what Jesus says next in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. He says, not everyone who says to me, this is right after what he just said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That is aimed not at unbelievers, but at believers, church. That's that's aimed at those within the body of Christ. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, we did all this stuff in your name. We lived for you. We, We did work for you. He's like, I don't know you. Why did he put that scripture? Why is that scripture right after the other one that we just talked about? It's interesting. It, it, it practically puts an exclamation point on what we've just been reading. And he's clearly pointing at everyone listening, not just Christian leaders, everyone who endeavors to become a true follower of Christ. And this is one of those verses that can keep you up at night if you think about it. How do you know who to listen to? How do we know what relationships to sever and which ones to cling on to? How do we know when to be a missionary and when to become the mentee in the mission field of someone else? How do we know what to do and when to do it in making sure that our efforts to build the, our, to build the kingdom uh, are, with, are within God's will? How do we know all that? And and here we sit as Pentecostals, people of the presence of God, those that are open and hungry for the Holy Spirit to baptize us over and over again. And that's really it, isn't it? We must be filled. That's how we know. We check the fruit on the tree of those that teach us. We check the fruit on the tree of those we're in relationship with. And guess what? We look in the mirror and we check our own fruit. And there's there's a, a tendency here too when, especially talking about relationships with other people. But it could, it could apply to every one of those areas. Teachers, leaders, the people we're in relationship with maybe, and, and maybe even ourselves. It, it applies to all this. Jesus Christ came and he can redeem anybody. There are false teachers from years ago that got right with God and are not false teachers anymore. There are people who were bad trees at one time, but one drop of the blood of Jesus in a changed heart, they can become a good tree. You know what I'm saying? You yourself, you yourself have probably been a bad tree at some time, at some point. But God can redeem you and you can become a good tree. So I'm not sitting here with a hammer this morning, bad tree, get out, you know? I'm not doing that. But what I am saying is, you gotta take care of business in your own life and be careful who you listen to, be careful who you're in relationships with, and be careful of the kind of fruit that you're producing in your life. That's what the scripture's really all about. It's a fruit check. Fruit check. Those that lead you, those you're in a relationship with, and fruit check yourself. 
think too many believers in Christ are not filled with the Holy Spirit. They are filled with their own prideful pursuits. They are filled with self. They are filled with the world. You want to make it through the birth pangs of the end times? I'm a pre-tribulation rapture guy, but I still believe things are going to get pretty dicey for us before the trumpet sounds. I think I was talking to uh, Brother Larry Perry over there the other day, and we were, he was talking about the, the increase in earthquakes is mind-blowing right now, and that's one of the signs that the Word of God tells us. There'll be an increase in earthquakes. They don't report them, there's so many of them. These are birth pangs. And if we're going to make it through those things, if we're going to stay strong, we're going to need the Holy Spirit. We're going to need to be able to fruit check from time to time. Will you be able to stay the course and not be led astray by false teachers and prophets who are masters at manipulation because of the Spirit that's leading them? You're only going to be able to do that if you're led by the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you. We have to check the fruit, not only in those spiritual leaders that are over us, not only in the ones we're in relationship with, but our own lives as well. A great question to ask yourself maybe today is, are you a good tree? I'm not trying to bring condemnation to anyone this morning because the truth of the matter is that anyone can be a good tree. Again, you do that by decision. But are you the kind of person that other Christians should be around because they'll become more mature or better because of you? Or do you drag people down? Do you drain them of their spiritual strength? Do you have good fruit? I mean, I think that's an honest question to look in the mirror and ask yourself. How many know God wants us to be fruit bearers? He expects it. I love the, the, the story and the scenario and the, when he was walking with the disciples and he saw that fig tree way off in the distance. I love it. And he walks over to it because it had leaves on it, right? He saw that it had leaves, but it was the season, it was the time of year when they shouldn't have leaves and leaves meant that there was probably fruit to go with it. But he went over because this tree is sitting here, look, I got fruit, I got fruit, I got leaves and I'm not even supposed to have leaves. He went over to it and he saw, upon inspecting, it had no fruit, just leaves, I think that's kind of like believers in the church who aren't followers. Look, I have leaves. I have leaves. I have leaves. But there's no fruit. What did Jesus do to that tree? He cursed it and it died from the root up, gone. That's harsh. Because that tree wasn't even supposed to be able to produce fruit during that season. Like big, bad, mean Jesus to that little tree. It wasn't natural for that tree to bear fruit during that time of year. But maybe that's the point. If all that you do is that which comes natural to you, that doesn't really impress God. Fruit will come when you do those things. You let your roots go deep down where it's getting water. You know, water is a lot like the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Where, where the sun can shine on your tree, so to speak. I want the sun, the sun, to shine on me and through me and for you. 
the nutrient soil, which is the word of God, of course. All that's part of being a healthy, healthy tree. And when your tree is good, you'll have good fruit. You'll have supernatural fruit. Are you a good tree? If your answer is, I don't know. Maybe you got some business to do with Jesus. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not doing that. I, I love you. I pray for you. I ask God often, don't let my words sting people. I, I try not to say them harshly. I want to present the word of God in a way that's honest and real and, and not smack people around with the Bible, you know? But these words of Jesus are tough. If there is no fruit, that tree's cut down and thrown into the fire and burned. doesn't mean there's no hope because you're a decision away from becoming a good tree. Would you bow your heads this morning? God, we sit here today and we examine our own lives. We, we think about the relationships we have and we think about those we, we listen to and we get teaching from and those that are over us even spiritually, God, we think about all these things and we, in reference to the fruit on the tree. God, I ask that you would help us to see clearly, to remind us to check the fruit. And especially, especially in our own life. Lord Jesus, we want to be fruit bearers. We don't want to be the kind of people just waving our leaves, the kind of trees that wave their leaves and say, look at us, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. Lord, we know that the devil is actually a believer too. He believes everything that you say. It's not about belief, it's about submission. So God, we submit to you today so that you can bear the kind of fruit in us that you want to see us bear. That we can become everything that you've called us to be. That we can walk in your goodness. That we can be those strong trees, God, that bring life to everybody around them. Trees provide shelter. They provide food. They provide all sorts of things we need, God. And we want to be trees like that. Fruit-bearing trees. Good fruit. Lord, we're so thankful that you love us with an everlasting love. And when we misstep, all we have to do is turn to you and you're right there because you pursue us with an everlasting love. Lord God, I thank you that you pursue us. If you're here this morning and you're like, you know what, I need to do a little better on my own tree. I need to think about the fruit I'm producing and I need to make a couple of adjustments and change a little bit. If that's you this morning, would you just slip your hand up? Everybody's head's bowed. Just slip your hand up and say, yeah, that's me. I need to make some adjustments in that. 
I don't want to be the person pulling people down. I want to be the person pulling people up. Hands up all over the place. Praise God. Praise God. Is that really your desire? If that's your desire, then do what you have to do to make that happen. Get in the Word. Get into prayer. Some of you may need to jump into ultimate journey. Some of you may need to uh, get more involved in church. That's why it's here. Some of you may have to cut off some of those relationships or, or at least set some real strong boundaries with people that are just pulling you away. But I believe this. God is going to do some mighty, mighty things in you. You don't have to be a bad influence anymore or a bad tree. <laughs> Sounds so judgmental. Bad tree. <laughs> you can be a good tree that brings life. God bless you guys. I pray you will, again, meditate on the Word of God and especially read through the three chapters, five, six, and seven of the Sermon on the Mount. We will see you, actually we won't see you Wednesday night, so I wish everybody a very, very happy Thanksgiving, and God bless you. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.